everyone. Welcome to The Good Mom. We're coming to you from Doha, Qatar. I'm Carmen. I've been in Qatar for 17 or 18 years now, which is half my life because I am 32. I met my husband here, and we now have two girls, Grace, who is seven, and Mila is four. And I'm a stay-at-home mom slash freelancer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Blair. I have been here for almost 12 years. I moved here right out of university, and I also met my husband here. We have two girls, Harper, who is four, and Lily, who is two, and I am a full-time working mom. Today, we have a special guest, Joanna otherwise known as Mama in Transit. (laughs) Say hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're really excited. Well, let's just dive in. in. So what brought you back to Qatar, I guess? And then also what brought you to Qatar in the first place? Okay. Uh, What brought me back to Qatar work? I've been in Qatar since 2012, I think. Yeah, 2012. So it's been quite some time. And then I left last year. But I still have my business here, so I'm coming here from time to time. And uh, this is this is a 10-day trip. Mm-hmm. Nice. Your so, work being JR Digital. Yes, JR Digital. I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. I used to work in the corporate world for a very long time, I think since 20, 2013. And uh, last year I dropped it and I opened my own thing because, yeah, my husband was pushing me. He's also a a business owner and he's like, oh yeah, we have to be, you know, independent, not uh, not relying on Mm -hmm. an employer and, you know, flexible, all that. Yes. So yeah, that's what happened. Every husband is like that. Right? My husband, he's like, come on, think of something, think of something creative so that we can like get out of this and work on our work for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you find a second income and a third income? <laughs> I'm looking after two kids. That's two jobs in itself. Like, oh my gosh. And 20 pets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys meet here? No, we met on Facebook. Uh-huh. Oh, did you? Yeah, back in the day when <laughs> Facebook was like round the phone. <laughs> So badly. So who messaged him first? Who messaged? I I think okay. We had a common friend that that is also Tunisian. My husband is Tunisian, and um, he lives in my hometown. I think they knew each other before, and um, he posted something on his Facebook wall, and we both started come to comment on it. Me and my husband. Oh. I don't remember who replied to who, honestly. <laughs> so cute. Yes. And then, and then we just, you know, went into each other's DMs and mm-hmm. Skype and all that. Oh, and then, yeah. Skype. So when did you guys meet? 2000 and... I think it was 2009 when okay. we started to right. talk to each other. And then we met, like, face-to-face, 2010. Oh. Yeah. So it was like long distance for a year? Yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, first it was just like a friendship kind of thing. And then when we decided we want to take it a bit further, then my mom invited me. Really science, the DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then, yeah, my mom had to invite him. This was, this was actually another funny story. I have a lot of funny stories today. (laughs) Uh, Because uh, in order for him to get a visa to Poland, he has to, oh. yes, he's Tunisian, he needs a visa. He, re- he needed to have an, an invite from a person who owns a property in the country. 
that was the other oh, time, oh. which would be my parents. <laughs> because I did not own the house at the age of, I don't know, 25 or 26 or whatever I was at the time. Yeah. yeah so um, one day or Friday, I just go to my parents and I say, Mom, Dad, you know, there is this guy, he's Tunisian, he lives in Qatar, and I want to invite him for Christmas. Oh my God. <laughs> Why did Christmas at that? Wow. What did they say? Yes, like, and, of course. I mean, my mom was like, my mom was basically shocked. She was speechless. She didn't say anything. <laughs> and my dad said, I trust you. Oh, and, yes. Oh, and it was like the cutest thing. Yes. And, and uh, they should have went. That is so cute. Oh, I love that. Yes. And he did not regret it because my husband is a nice person. Oh, <laughs> he <laughs> <didn't get that. laughs> well, I just love a good love story. Yeah. Uh, and I love that your dad said, I trust that's you. That's so, yeah. Yeah. That's so cute. So when you, I mean, now you have the three kids, but as you were going along, like, and, and raising your three kids, um, and being an expat, like, I mean, what was that like? What, how did you find that? It was a little bit, I mean, okay. It wasn't too bad because I've been an expat for a while now. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like used to the country, but still it's, it's like you're saying, there was no village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had my husband and then the on and off nannies. Yeah. Um, we had a, we had to stay in nanny for, I think around two years. And other than that, we were just hiring uh, ladies to just come and, you know, leave, uh, five yeah. when we came back from work. So it was, it was always me and my husband and the kids. Yes. Um, so we didn't really, we didn't really have that, uh, you know, for example, we couldn't go out in the evening. Yeah. Because there was nobody to uh, to watch the kids. We couldn't go to a party. Yeah. We couldn't, like, we couldn't both have drinks because yeah. somebody has to be yes. sober in the house. And, yeah. you know, all these, all these things that yeah. if you're in your home country, you don't have to worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. that we have to, like, pencil in our, our yeah, schedule, yeah. you know, and, and really plan it out because... We have two different people that potentially babysit and yeah. depending on the day of the week, like we know that they're available or they're yeah. not. So it definitely does take more planning to be social exactly, yes. and get that time in with your husband yeah. or your partner. But yeah. then on the other hand, it's also extremely, I mean, the thing that I like about raising a kid as an expat is how like diverse the environment is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And all the friends that he's getting. For example, in, in Holland, we are like closed off. It's very difficult to like approach people and to make friends with them and to get the kids play together. Here is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Kids make friends in the school and then moms have a WhatsApp group and then yes. everybody's meeting with everybody. We had this because Adam was old enough to be in a school in Doha, like in two schools actually. Uh, first in the kindergarten, then he uh, we moved into a, to a big school, and then it was it was the same. It was a very tight community. Mm-hmm. He made a lot of friends from different backgrounds, and it was it was it was extremely nice and extremely rewarding. And this is something that, for example, I miss a lot uh, while I'm in Poland. Yes, yeah. this kind of connections that he was making here. Yeah, um, I think this is my, I, and I know we wanted to get into this yeah. later about like can we do that because you've left Qatar and now you're coming back and forth and yeah. There is this fear that I have as an expat about going back to my home country because, you know, who knows if I'll be here forever. Um, if my mom is listening and she's like, come home right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, mom. I'll come home eventually. I promise. Um, but 
there is this fear of, you know, going back to my home country and do I fit in? You yeah. know, am I going to find like, obviously I have like close friends from college and high school. Um, but like, who is going to be my group or like, am I going to find things um, in common with other people after being an expat, you know, where it's constantly kind of a revolving door of change and people and new things and yeah. new culture, et cetera. So it's interesting to hear you speak towards that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was weird because I had an image of my home country in my head. Yeah. And then this image was my home country from 2012. Because mm-hmm. between then and now I've only been there for vacation a couple of times. And then when I came, uh, came back, I saw like a completely different country. Um, It was better than I remembered it, but it was also different. That's why it was very difficult for me to fit in in the beginning. And uh, I was like discovering new things and new ways to know things Mm -hmm. and like stuff that I had no idea about before. And I was thinking, is this the same country? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I was missing the hustle much. I still am. Now it's like I'm I'm split between the two. I enjoyed being in Poland. I got used to it, and of course, there is the nature of everything yeah. that, that, that isn't here. But at the same time, it, there are so many memories in Canada. Yeah. So I just love coming back here to, to you know, to relieve things. That yeah. I, yeah. So, yeah. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we I guess we succeeded. And also, what helped a lot was that my husband was done with Qatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been here longer than me, I think, since 2009. And uh, he just, he also shifted from the corporate world into having his own business. And uh, we know how difficult it is to mm-hmm. open a business in Qatar. So mm-hmm. he had a lot of out of stories and a lot of issues and with a lot of things. So, and in the end, everything worked out, mm-hmm. but he just got so set up that he yeah. said, we have to, we have to leave. We have to, we can still do our things here, but we have to leave somewhere else. You know, so I just need a breather. So it's okay. So we're going to talk about your journey with your son, Danny. Mm-hmm. It can kind of goes back to being an expat. Yeah. And, um, Danny has autism. Yeah. Correct. And how did you navigate that situation mm-hmm. in Qatar? It was difficult. Especially because at the time when we started to notice the signs, it was middle of the pandemic. Oh, so, okay. yeah, he was born end of 2018. Um, okay. then, yeah, so basically, I, I don't remember when one started, I think. I don't know, I, it, there hasn't been any kind of like regression or anything. He was just always like withdrawn. Okay. And at some point, I noticed that he's not supposed to be this withdrawn at this age. Like he didn't mm. speak, he didn't look at us, you know, all this. He, I mean, actually it was, it was, it was um, interesting because he would sit in the corner by himself, play for like an hour by himself at the age of one. Mm-hmm. For example, oh, wow. stacking blocks on top of each other. He was one year old. He would stack 15 blocks on top of each other. And he was so focused on this. And for example, when my mom came and, and I mean, when we went to visit and she was taking care of him, she was like, oh, this child is so like hassle-free. He just sits there and plays by himself. I said, he's not supposed to do that. I don't have much experience. I just had one child before that. Mm-hmm. But I knew that a kid is not supposed to not look for 
anybody to you know to interact with. So that was like the the, the red light, and mm-hmm. then um, basically things didn't really improve much. Mm-hmm. So then we decided to uh, to visit the pediatrician as a first step, a private one, one of the one of the recommended ones. I don't have not going to keep any names because mm-hmm. it was not a good experience. Oh. Um, yeah, basically she told us that it was um, eighteen months at the time. And didn't speak at all, did not even a word, and barely, re- ever, hardly ever reacted to his name. I, I saw, like, a lot of signs, mm-hmm. like, all of the staple signs were there. And what the pediatrician said, she said, um, he's too young, put him in a nursery. Like, oh. didn't kind, didn't want to investigate this further, nothing. And I, wow. I am not a very assertive person when it comes to professionals, because I know that they are the professionals, they should know not me. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. So we put Danny in a nursery, which was, I mean, it was, it was a good move overall because it was a fantastic, it was Todd's Corner. It was a fantastic nursery and they understood him and mm-hmm. they agreed with me that there is, there is a, there is a thing here, but that was the pandemic and things were not running properly. So they told me basically, wait, um, I think uh, give him like a couple of months, like six months or so. If we see no progress, then maybe the situation will be good enough for, you know, for you to visit the center. Mm-hmm. And then this is basically what happened. We didn't, we didn't see him progress. So we went, uh, we went to one of the centers, the private ones, and then, um, to, to assess him. And then we learned something that we didn't know before that this kind of centers, they don't have, uh, uh, they don't have the right to give you an autism diagnosis because this oh. has to be given by a doctor. Oh, interesting. Yes. So is this like a learning center? Or? It's like a uh, like a therapy center. You okay. can say, yeah. A learning therapy, early intervention, this kind of things. And there are a lot of them in Qatar. We use one for, for an assessment. So what they can do and what they did with Dani is that they observed him, like numerous specialists observed him over, over two days. And then they gave me a report that... Uh, basically told me what kind of developmental delays uh, are we facing here. They they okay. never use the word autism because they are not allowed to. But they said, for example, yeah, his speech is delayed and um, he might have some sensory issues and this, that, that. And then based on that, we were supposed to start the therapy, but um, then the COVID hit like full-blown yes. and they closed everything. So we, in the end, we didn't. So... Fast forward, we went through uh, at one of these therapy centers, the front one, and uh, another nursery on the way, and basically we didn't see that much progress, and then we thought that, okay, we need to finally get him diagnosed. Mm. So that was the whole process in itself, to get him diagnosed by Hamad, a lot of waiting was involved, and then also an appointment that was postponed from their side. In the end, we only managed to get the diagnosis in uh, October 2022. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And oh we, yeah, we, we tried for almost a year. Yeah. And nobody told us that, like, this is, like, not a case, not, not a relevant case or something. They all acknowledged, all the old Hama doctors, they acknowledged that there is uh, there is a possibility that he has autism, like a high possibility, and they referred him further. And it's just, you know, the waiting time in the public health care. Mm-hmm. I heard that CDR has shorter waiting time, even though there also you have to wait a couple of months, mm-hmm. but you have to pay, I think, like 5000 for the test itself. Oh, yeah. And um, do insurance companies cover that? No, we don't have insurance. 
Because we are both self-employed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, that uh, that was not covered, and um, and yeah. So we waited. So we got a diagnosis, um, and then after that, we just decided. They they told us, yeah, you need to start the early intervention ASAP, and we will give you appointment. And that was in October, and the ASAP for them was appointment end of January, twenty twenty three. So. Basically, it's this was the most frustrating thing for us. Is like the the doctors and the therapists in Hamad are really good, but it's so difficult to get into the system, mm-hmm. and there is just not enough. I don't know, maybe not enough staff, or I don't know how does this work to have appointments in a reasonable time frame. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was it was that would that would not be efficient at all. Mm-hmm. So what we the choice that we had was basically a private center which costs an arm and a leg a good one it can it can cost anything anything between seven and ten thousand reals a month mm-hmm. and then to. yeah and then if you have two other kids who are going to school and you have to pay for the yeah. money and all that that and then you don't have an employer who will cover these costs for you yeah. everything goes out of the pocket so we would basically end up not not saving anything we'll be just living uh, you know Paycheck to paycheck, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so this is also when we made the decision that it would be best for us if we shift to Poland while our company stay in Qatar, because in Poland there is um, uh, there is better availability, let's say, of the uh, of the refunded therapy, the ones that's refunded by the government, and uh, and a better kind of support. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean I don't know how how it works with nationals here. Maybe it's because we are expats. I mean most probably it's because mm-hmm. we are expats. But in Poland, there is a, so there's a support for nationals. Okay. So, for example, I, oh, there is also a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy, but I managed to uh, get Danny into the system. And, um, uh, and, the, and the government is basically paying for, um, for uh, uh, I think, eight hours per month of therapy. And then okay. we, can, we can buy on top of that if we want to. And uh, also, uh, we, are, we are actually getting money to our pocket for that. Wow, uh, that's yes. fantastic. Yes, yes. So this is this is something. It's not like a lot, but it's it's considerable. Yeah. And for example, for us, this covers uh, Danny's kindergarten because he's going to a private kindergarten. Yeah. That was the biggest issue, the biggest problem for us because he barely speaks as of now, and uh, he's almost five, and we had to find him a kindergarten with English. Okay. In okay. Poland, that would accept a child with autism. Oh wow! So that is like. A, Double problem. Um, we did find one, luckily. So he is there now, and uh, let's see how this goes. But yeah, so so uh, so the journey in Qatar, I would say like this. I would say the resources are here, mm-hmm. but um, uh, it is it is costly if you want to do it private. If you want to do it public, it, I mean, you will you will waste a lot of time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that the doctor that you first saw? dismissed you because she maybe thought it was like taboo and oh no kid you know I feel like there's a bit of a a stigma around mental health oh yeah I mean or not just mental health but also like those type of neurological yeah first of all I completely agree with what you're saying there is a huge stigma and it's like a it's like a taboo Mm -hmm. Uh, the whole subject of of having a child with like uh uh with some some kind of additional needs Mm -hmm. 
And I'm, I don't think that was the case with Dr. I think I think the case was she wasn't okay. This is going to sound harsh, but I think that I'm just being I'm just being mistaken. She wasn't educated enough yeah. to uh, yeah. to understand that a child, even that young, with mm-hmm. a specific set of symptoms, will require further investigation. Yes, that she should not dismiss all the cases mm-hmm. completely like she was doing, and you know that this is this is something that like looking back, it annoyed me the most that didn't really ask a lot of questions. Yeah. She immediately dismissed it. Ah, these parents, they are like, I don't know, they are trying helicopter parents. Helicopter yeah. parents, exactly. They're inventing problems where there are no problems and they just tell them to send the child to yeah. nursery. That's the... And then we paid 100 reals for that visit. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Just to be told, yeah. put your child in the nursery and come to me after a year if there is no improvement. Yeah, and a year. I mean, to me, and I'm not super knowledgeable about autism, etc. But I feel like a year is a lot of time yeah. that yeah. is essentially wasted. Yeah. Like, what were there interventions that could have been done within that yes, year? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's why also I'm I'm upset about this time that that yes. like you said that we could have started earlier, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like. This is this is another thing that the doctors in the public health center that we went to, we were now a health center, were much more concerned and much much more in depth, let's say, observations than the private doctor for mm-hmm. which we paid a lot of money. Wow. This is also something here that a lot of a lot of moms in Qatar are scared of health centers because they think that the care is not uh, not uh, you know up to up to speed or with standards or something. This is not the case. Uh, we all have positive experience. For example, in Alwa, it was really good experience once we went through the admin, which was yes. a whole different stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the admin. But, yes. yeah, but the medical staff, excellent. So this is also like a message not to, not to be scared of the PHCCs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the scare of the PHCCs is the bureaucracy that you have to do to get into them. Yeah. Oh. All of the paperwork, etc. Yeah, the paperwork and the attitude sometimes of the front desk. Mm, yeah, but yeah. This I did not appreciate at all. But once you go past that, it was it was really good care. That's great. Yeah, that's great. It's funny because I was one of those moms that I'm still I am one of those moms. I made Nick pay for the vaccines instead of going to the health center because I was like, I'm not taking them there. They're not nice. They scare me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do. We're very lucky. We've got that uh, insurance. his insurance. Yeah. So um, yeah. So what are his therapies that he's going to? Right now, okay, so he's going to the sensor integration, mm-hmm. which is uh, basically um, this is what we what we talked about earlier that he he needs like an extra uh, extra stimulation mm-hmm. because his um, uh, his nervous system is uh, under responsive to uh, to the yeah to the certain uh, like to I don't know to touch and to uh, to noises he's he's looking for extra stimulation in his environment mm-hmm. and the fact that he's looking he's a sensory seeker this is how they call him okay yeah so the fact that he's looking is distracting him from um, obtaining other skills mm-hmm. so ah. yeah so for example the therapist in Poland told me that it could be that his speech is so delayed because he was focusing on looking for the sensory stimulants. Instead of learning learning the speech, so what they are doing right now, they are trying to satisfy that the, these cravings for him in the therapy, mm-hmm. while at the same time making him do other stuff okay. like listening to instructions, for example. Mm-hmm. 
So they are hoping that after a couple of months, this will start bringing effects on kids that learning better. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And then there is also the speech therapy, the regular one, okay. um, which I think this is like this is something this is something common that the sensory uh, the sensory therapy. This is not something that. Uh, that uh, we 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 got in Qatar. In Qatar, actually, this is not very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of therapists, a lot of centers, actually would say that it doesn't exist, and it's it's uh-huh. the same as occupational therapy, which is not okay. Yeah. So this is this is a little bit a little bit backwards. I'm curious how they do stimulate that those oh, sensory okay. needs. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, I'm sure. just curious. Um, I mean, it depends on the child because the child has different sensory needs. But for example, works for Danny. They would put him in a hammock. That's uh, oh, yes, that oh, lands oh, from the ceiling. Yeah. It, uh, it it envelops him. Yeah, and then he swings. I so have so seen these before. I've yeah. thought about buying one of those for the girls. Yeah, this because is, I've good. heard that it just regulates your entire nervous system. Yeah, I'm sure you sent me a video about one. Yeah, of in yeah. moments of despair or stress or what have you so that is one yeah and then the trampoline okay Okay. trampoline is very important yes and then uh walking on on like uneven surfaces apparently this stimulating uh the bottom of his feet is uh is is very helpful um massagers Okay, he's getting massages. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, swinging on swings. Okay, that also helps. Um, rolling on his, uh, uh, you know, the exercise ball. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So yeah. he's on the, on his belly on the exercise ball, running okay. back forth, you know, on and then on his back. So all this, and then um, smelling things, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, touching different textures. All this is helping. And then, for example, what they are doing is they let him swing in a swing. At the same time, they're asking him, okay, take this ball and throw it in a basket. Okay. So he's getting his uh, his stimulation. And at the same time, he's they're trying to make him um, follow an, uh, uh, you know, an instruction. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this, is, this is how this therapy is, is basically going. Interesting. I think that's so incredibly yeah. interesting that if the needs of the body are not being met. Yeah. You know, let's obviously find a way to do it so that then we can focus on something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that might sound so obvious, but I just I find no, it fascinating. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic that you've been able to find yeah. those services and that Danny's needs are being met. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping for the to see the progress soon. Yeah. I know. Um, I've asked you before, like personally, um, but. I, we have multiple friends that have kids with, um, autism. Do you have advice for parents, um, that are raising kids, would you say without neurological, um, I don't know how to word it correctly, but you know what it like, yeah. I don't want to say able-bodied or whatever the word is that I'm looking for. I'm always saying children with additional needs. Okay. Okay. So the girl, the children without additional needs. What would you say to their parents of how to raise them to be more aware and more open to playing with kids and making sure that like um, they're being inclusive? I think um, 
That is that is a difficult question. I mean, it's it's difficult for the parents to achieve that if you don't have a, a child with autism yeah. like around around you. Yeah. I mean, educate them. Um, explain, for example, because I can see in Qatar, um, you can you can see children that clearly have the additional needs sometimes, like in play areas, mm-hmm. doing stuff. So. And um, for example, you can see a child that's that's screaming without reason, covering his ears mm-hmm. or something. I think in that case, I mean, the parents should use this as an opportunity to explain to their children mm-hmm. that look, this child is not doing like this most probably because he's but he's behaving badly, but because he has additional needs and uh, he doesn't understand the situation or something triggered him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be anything. I mean, first, yeah, for, and then use this, use this, use this to start a conversation and explain that not all children are the same, not mm-hmm. all children react the same to, to certain situations. And it might happen that, um, that somebody will, will, I don't know, will start crying or start screaming. And, and this is, this is okay um, mm-hmm. because these are, these are also children. They're just not behaving in a typical way, let's say. And, um, Another another good thing. I mean, I don't know if this kind of thing exists in Qatar, but in Poland you have um, integration integration schools and kindergartens. I mean, it's it's like the school and the kindergartens they allow a couple of children with additional needs to each classroom, mm-hmm. and this way the other children see and they learn. Mm-hmm. It's by interacting with this kind of child. I know mm-hmm. that. Um, in Qatar, there is a kindergarten, Adam Walto, Villa Kinderwelt. It's very inclusive. Okay. Yes. So um, even even children with uh, physical disabilities mm-hmm. were, were admitted there. And no. I loved it. I loved it because Adam was exposed to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and later, this also helped him understand uh, Danny's, uh, Danny's behavior. Mm-hmm. Because he was there and he was interacting with the children. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope, I, mean, I don't know, I hope there, is, there, are more, there are more facilities like this. And I know that um, one of, what's, what's the place called? I think it's called Life Skills Hub. There is a, a, I love them. Yeah, I wasn't able to go. I wanted. Yes, them. they had they had the session. Maybe they were repeated. I don't know. Of, yeah. uh, actually, like educational session. Yeah, for, I for saw children. that. Yes, yeah. And I that was such a great. I think you shared that on your yeah. page. I think you did as well. Yeah, such a great initiative. Yeah. Yes. So I think I think this is this is very much needed, but also it has to come out from the parents' side. Of course, the parents they they don't feel the need to explain this kind of thing yeah. to children. Mm-hmm. And they should, because mm-hmm. then later you will, yeah, it's, I mean, it's also for the sake of them, of course, for the sake of the children with, the, with additional needs, so that later they are not being, I don't know, bullied because they are different. Yeah. So we have two quite close friends that both their sons have autism. So I've always said to them, allow them whatever is going on in the situation, let them kind of lead the way. And you follow their uh, their lead. Yes, and, absolutely, yes. And I explain, like, you know, their brains are just different than ours. You work with them. Don't kind of go against them. If they want something, give it to them because you know that that's what they yeah. want and that's how we can help them. Yeah. And Grace understands. Mila was a little bit young at the time, but she now understands more. Um, but I remember, and I'm sure you've had these experiences. I was with a friend in the UK and it made me so angry. We were in the toy shop, in the gift shop, in this farm, and her son was running around. He's nonverbal. And the woman behind the till said to another kid that was standing very calmly and 
nicely. She said, you can have a sticker because you're in here and you're not messing around and you're not doing things. And my natural instinct is to go, fuck you. (laughs) But I wasn't his mom. So she just said, come on, let's get out of here. Let's go. And I was like, let's go. But it it aggravated me because she had no idea. Yeah. And then I think back and I'm like, have I ever done that to a screaming kid that was screaming or not? Like you were saying, covering their ears or having a tantrum and not realize that I was being an asshole. Because I think so often we're quick to judge as moms. Oh, look at her child's not behaving as one might think a child should. Yeah. 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 This is, this is the thing. This is a problem. Yeah. Like a lot of, uh, there is a lot of like prejudice. Nothing in prejudice. They don't know. The yeah. society is unaware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they automatically assume that the child is misbehaving. Yeah. While it yeah. can be something else. I mean, they can be misbehaving, but not necessarily. So it's like, I, uh, it, it, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't think this ever happened to me because Dougie is generally a calm child. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely heard of this and this is, this needs so much education. So much. And needs to really like, I mean, this is something that Katan does really well. The Autism Awareness Month. Yeah. This year, it was fantastic. So many initiatives. I was super impressed. So I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to continue with this like every year Mm -hmm. and raising awareness here locally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's Nina. Just more awareness and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's important i've got some books in my amazon cart um my friend shared them on her instagram her son is autistic so i want to buy these it's like called one of them is called like the silent um the silent something or just silent and it's about a non-verbal kid with autism um so i'm hoping to get a bunch of books like that because i think my girls i mean i'm sure most kids but my girls specifically learn really well through books yes yeah it's, it's so, a great idea yeah it's good that this kind of books exist i know i think it's quite new as well because yeah. i don't there has been i think a really big push in uh, children's books to be more inclusive yes. of everything mm-hmm. those with um invisible disabilities mm-hmm. yeah. um, some people are calling them now those who are autistic yeah those um who are also just racially different yeah. as yeah. well and it is it's so wonderful to i think to see that i mean we have a book upstairs um i think it's called a girl like you that harper likes to read and there was um one girl who had um a prosthetic leg on mm-hmm. she was very curious about it mm-hmm. and it was just so nice to be able to to show her that these are all girls yeah. who they might be just like you or they might be different yeah. and they should still be included in everything and we're still going to talk about them. Yeah, they're exactly. still a human at the end of the day and they deserve that respect. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, 